Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Retro Time Podcast. I'm Jeremy. I'm Derek. And Derek, I think we've got a special guest today. I think we do, my man. Is that true? So today we have a special guest on the show. Um, It is a man among men, a legend in his field, uh, a giant among giants, uh, software engineering leader, GE Aviation, technology veteran, 20 years, and actually my boss, uh, which may explain the introduction uh, Kevin Winchester. Derek, we're off hours. You don't need to kiss his ass. <laughs> Too far away. COVID protocols. Can't kiss his ass. Kevin, welcome to the show. Hello, Kevin. Thank you. Thank you. I thought that was all authentic, Derek. Don't, uh, you're, you're disappointing me. <laughs> no, it was. It was. I just didn't want you to think it wasn't. And now I'm talking too much. And now you're thinking too much about it. Whatever. So yeah, welcome to the show, man. It's good to Thank have you. you happy there. to be here. Yeah, good. To, happy. Yeah. Looking forward to hanging out with you guys for a few minutes. Yeah, you're right. So, uh, so tell our viewers a little bit about yourself, our listeners and viewers. Yep. Well, um, to explain the the southern draw, I'm uh, from the Appalachian area, southeastern Kentucky. Uh, I've been in technology and products for a little over 20 years now. Uh, I've really been in, I've performed, I, I, I think I've performed almost every role on a team besides UX, Jeremy. So I'd love to learn a few pointers, but I've been a, uh, a software developer. I've been an architect. I've been a product manager, a product owner. I've been a development manager. I've, I've got to see really uh, every perspective of a team I work in many different industries, everything from as small as a startup operating out of New York uh, that was acquired by MasterCard, which is a really cool experience yeah, to uh, working at the Department of Labor. Uh, so very rigid, very strict, really, really big. And now um, at the world's leading uh, jet engine manufacturer. So seeing a lot of different things, worked in a lot of different cities um, and kind of have one one key takeaway to how I uh, approach software and technology. And it really is about uh, people and teams. So I'm excited to, to share any uh, any tips or lessons learned and uh, to have a conversation with you guys. That's right. Well, welcome. Absolutely, man. It's good to have you. One thing that Derek and I uh, are, are all about are people and, and, and uh, relationships and things like that. If you've listened to our, our show, we probably mentioned something about relationships and people nearly every single time. So, uh, so that's, that's right, right up our alley. Yeah. So one thing that I know about you, and I'm not sure, you know, anyone knows, anyone else knows about you, uh, that works with you, um, is that you happen to be a pretty intense D and D aficionado as it were. Is that what they call D and D people? I don't know. That might, uh, that might be, <laughs> uh, upclassing it a little too much, but, um, yeah, I've, uh, can I, can I make a confession before we, we start? Uh, I've never played Dungeons and Dragons ever. <laughs> never, not even oh, once. Man. We may have to stop this episode <laughs> and just start a campaign right here, right now, just for Impromptu. Jeremy. Oh man, roll a character up. You know, I just, I, I, I feel like, I, I feel, I don't know. I don't feel like a, like a geek. I guess I don't know. <laughs> I should. I feel like I'm a geek, but then I guess I don't have the geek cred. I don't know. You like Star Trek. See, I guess it makes right? up for it. Not only Star Trek. All right, so that's Derek, one thing. Stargate. <laughs> he likes Stargate. Yeah. So you're, oh, look, you're you're anyway. you're far along enough. All right. Thanks. Come join us. Thank you. So Kevin, you you are a D and D aficionado, a man among the people. Can you talk a little bit about how that kind of affected the way that you approach people and teams? Or yeah, for sure. And it, it's a funny thing. So I started, I actually started playing D and D in about '92. 
and uh, did it. You know, this was obviously before the internet, before it was before it was popular and cool. This was actually when it was one of those things that was, um, you know, really kind of looked down upon. There was the whole like a satanic pandemic type or panic oh, thing right. with it. Um, so started playing, you know, then when I was in school. And uh, it wasn't really, you know, I gained a number of skills, collaborative skills and things going through that experience. But, I, you know, a lot of times when you're doing these things, you don't necessarily uh, have awareness or realization that this is a skill you're building or that this is, you know, you know, a particular experience uh, that you're uh, accumulating. So it wasn't really until the last few years that I've noticed that a number of those things, you know, playing at the table and, uh, you know, making sure that there is fun happening at the table with your players and uh, making sure that there is uh, flexibility and inclusion and all of these things. I never really realized that those were uh, kind of preparing me for a technology career or a career, uh, you know, in helping lead teams. Uh, so I, it's definitely something we could probably almost do a whole podcast on that. Um, but many, <laughs> many, many experiences uh, would just you know, how you include people at that table, right? And um, how you make sure everyone's having fun are, are things that uh, definitely uh, cross over into any type of team, you know, especially, you know, creative work and software and product technology. So something I could go into pretty deeply if we had the time. <laughs> well, we've got the time. Well, we got the time. <laughs> oh, we've got the time. I, oh, this is, this is, I just, when I found out about Kevin's appreciation of D&D, we, I was like, we got to talk to the man about D&D. So- you know, in to that to that end, then um, as a a, uh, a Dungeons and Dragons, uh, not even a novice, someone who's never started, maybe I'm the only person out there who hasn't has no idea how to play Dungeons and Dragons. What about Dungeons and Dragons uh, correlates back to to a team in general? Not not even just software, but just a team. Yep, great question. So you know, generally speaking, if you can if you can picture watching a Dungeons and Dragons uh, session, right? A um, you know, it's typically a, a table with a group of people sitting around this table, and there is usually a dungeon master who is helping guide and narrate that story or that play session. And with a handful, two, three, four, five, six, even more people sitting around that table, and they're all interacting with this story. Right. So they're playing characters, you're rolling, there's mechanics and, and gameplay to it that you roll dice, you know, to, to make certain things happen, like hitting this dragon or whatever. But for the most part, what's happening around that table is people collaborating and communicating and interacting. Um, and there's been a lot of really cool stuff come out in the last few years. Um, you know, some really positive things where people are even now taking D&D into classrooms or in, with with young adults uh, and helping them uh, learn how to share their feelings, helping them unpack yeah, how they're oh. thinking, helping teach them how to interact with people. So it's it's being used as a really cool uh, device, right, for people, maybe if they're not comfortable in social settings, they don't know how to talk to people. It's a way to disarm that and to really help people learn how to interact. So it's something that built really fundamental communication skills in me, how to how to read signals, how to interpret people, Body how to language, see where momentum like that, of something's yeah. happening. Yeah, all of it. Yeah, absolutely. Because you're all sharing that adventure or that story and as a dungeon master or a team lead or whatever parallel it would be, scrum master, agile coach, whatever, um, you've got to you've got to sense and read what's happening with that team and and do everything you can to help them 
have success in that story. So it's, it, it, you know, it's, and looking back on it, it was really tremendously profound and, and um, the skills that I have. So, and, and just from the little that I know about Dungeons and Dragons, watching Stranger Things or something like that, you've got like different people yep. on the team who are, have a role. Like they're the one, like, I don't know, the warlock or like the, the archer or something. Right. And so I get that almost to me sort of correlates as someone who's never plays the game, but thinking about it, it kind of correlates to the QA, the engineer, the backend engineer, front engineer, things like that. 100%. That's a great observation. Yeah. So it's like, you've got these different roles, you know, like, like you said, you know, it may be a fighting person, maybe a magic person, maybe a healing person. Mm-hmm. And those people together as a team have a greater success of, you know, achieving their goal, right? And they've usually got uh, based upon how the gameplay is going, people do it differently, but usually they've got kind of a mission or a focus they're trying to all rally around uh, to uh, to succeed. And they they tap into their unique skills, but they can also do all of the things, right? So it's kind of those T-shaped skills that people talk about on an Agile team, right? Mm-hmm. Where people can do a little bit of everything, but then they all still have something they can go really deep in. Now, I'm curious, if you could uh, compare the UX designer on an agile team to a Dungeons and Dragons character, who would the UX designer be? Uh, I hope you say uh, the mage. Oh man, that's a, that's a, that's a great, you know, there probably would be a really cool chart to put together of <laughs> uh, software roles, team roles with what uh, class in D and D that relates to. Ah, oh, that's good. Mage, ah, mage. I have a special place in my heart for mages. Okay. Um, I'm leaning my, I don't know why, but I'm leaning more toward the bard or the rogue. Mm, someone honestly. real handsome for sure. Yeah. yeah, exactly. With a high charisma score. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, the, these are people with, uh, uh, they have fine grained skills, right? They have specialties. They can do things uh, that other people cannot do untrained. So that's a big thing in D and D. Like there's certain things you can do that because you're trained in it, but if you're untrained in it, like picking a lock or disarming a trap, you can't just do that naturally, oh, okay. like swimming or running. Right. So those are like highly specialized classes. And I see uh, UX, uh, you know, certainly, um, you know, highly specialized people that know their craft and, and play a key role on the team. So you can't see me, but I'm over here nodding my head in agreement. Yeah. So so right now is an interesting time because D&D is very social. You get around together. You have a couple sodas, right? I mean, you have sodas. You have, uh, you have uh, let's see, if I can remember correctly, there was a lot of sugar, pixie sticks. <laughs> uh, we had, remember pixie sticks? I do. We had um, Skittles. I feel like I've missed out. I I just feel like I've missed out. <laughs> Telling you, dude, we got to get in one of these campaigns with Kevin. It's not too late. It's no, not too late, it's Jeremy. Never too late. This whole podcast is just a, it's just an introduction, so we can somehow get into a campaign with Kevin. It's the prelude. Oh. It's the prelude it's to the, the prelude. campaign. Yeah, right. I'm curious right now when people aren't can't get together. How do you have campaigns? How do you do it virtually? Yeah, it's um. You know, there's been a number of this has been pretty cool. So there's been a number of, uh, you know, like small startup companies that, you know, getting into the technology world with this. But there there's platforms and software tools, um, you know, to create the virtual experience. Right. You know, there's, you know, that look and feel like a Skype, look and feel like a Zoom uh, type of thing. And then people are using, you know, popular audio tools like Discord and, and the, you know, all the things we use to collaborate and communicate. You can use those same things for 
uh, remote role playing or Dungeons and Dragons or whatever, whatever it is. So, um, you know, you still get together, you still do that thing. Um, it gets a little clunky with like combat because you're doing like kind of these mechanical calculations and that can be a little bit of a buzzkill. Uh, but for the most part, it's, it's cool to see how, um, and, and YouTube, right? So there's been a proliferation of many YouTube uh, channels and podcasts even on Dungeons and Dragons. So it's fun to see the little things start up, but I still prefer the in-person. I'm doing remote sessions now and they're fun and they work, but uh, to me, kind of an old school gamer, uh, there's nothing that beats the camaraderie of sitting around that table in person and rolling actual dice that you can touch and feel because like you invest in these cool dice sets. And then you, so you don't get to really roll those when it's remote. So it's a, it's a good substitute. And for some people they prefer it, but you know, it comes down to, it comes down to what you personally like. Yeah. These days I'm worried I'd be the smelly kid based off of the, uh, the, the pandemic situation <laughs> we're in. So if I go into, if I went into, if I, even if we could, if I went into a situation where we were in a room together, you'd be like, all right, so we need to talk before we even get started. This is this is IRL. Um, you need to go take a shower and come back. You need back. to cut your hair. That would never happen. That would never happen, though. See, that's, again, this is a potentially a whole other separate podcast, but one of the beautiful things of the history of D&D is the people that started initially were, you know, people perceived or labeled, right? I'm doing air quotes for people that can't see me as social outcasts, right? They were the nerds. They were the, 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 the odd kids at class, right? So the, the really cool thing is that level of when, the, when this group of, you know, um, you know, social outcasts, quote unquote, we get together, um, it was really an embracing community, right? Because, you know, they were all different, you know, and, and different in many different ways, right? So, there was this sense of inclusion and sense of non-judgment. I can't, I cannot think of a time where I ever felt observed or sensed any judgment or exclusivity uh, with D&D. So in a lot of ways, I, I think that also has opened a lot of doors for, you know, how we view each other and how people are uh, more open to uh, people that are different than them. So you would not, you would be very welcomed if you were smelly at a D&D <laughs> table. Well, good. The future is bright for me then. Yes. Um. <laughs> Which also goes back to work, right? I mean, I feel like that's very similar to the types of environments that we are currently really pushing for in, in corporate America. You see more diversity and inclusion and bringing your, your authentic self to work uh, and things like that. Um, you know, and I, I, I see that as another parallel, I think, back to software teams. hundred percent. Some of the things that you were talking about when you were kind of describing how you run campaigns, how you run sessions and things like that. Um, a lot of it, you know, kind of, it kind of made me think of, wow, that's very similar to software. That's very similar to how we do work. What are some things that you've kind of learned that you're actually like sort of actively use when, uh, kind of enabling your teams or uh, or enabling them to, you know, be more productive or be more effective? The key thing for me really, you know, when and a lot of this is learned, right? I didn't come out of the gates with any of this. It's a lot of trial and error, a lot of mistakes, a lot of scars. You know, when I was, so let me talk D&D first, but when I was young and I was a dungeon master, I would spend hours and hours prepping this elaborate world and the story. And I'd have a very specific plot line and, and these things that I want to happen. And it just seems obvious to me in my head that these players 
will will do this, right? They'll they'll go to the third door on the right and try and turn it and there's a trap, right? And you build all of this up. And then when you'd be at the game table, kind of like how you said you would do, Derek, uh, people do totally different things. And when I was young and when I was early in that, I would get so frustrated I would get, <laughs> and I would try and force them to do what, because I would equate the amount of time I spent building out this this bartender with this elaborate backstory that they never talked to. Um, and I would get frustrated. And at uh, some point in that journey, um, I, I really had kind of a, a really a, a big light bulb moment where I realized that that story is not about me, right? This We're not here at this game table to play this adventure to glorify my ego or how I view things. And when I started, when I flipped that script and I started viewing myself as more of a guide mm. or kind of like a helper to really help them craft this story together, collaboratively create this world, collaboratively create what we do. Um, and I kind of let go of that need to control and force the plot line or whatever I created and just enjoyed it and enjoyed that with them. I had so much more fun and, and I started running my games that way and creating it to where we could all build it. And that's that's really how I view teams, right? I, I've seen so many leaders or influencers of teams come in like that dungeon master that spent all this time building a plan and say, hey, you guys, you know, we have to do this. We have to do this. And every time that team would veer off that path, that leader or manager would get frustrated and start micromanaging, start exhibiting all the behaviors none of us like. And so as a leader of people and teams, I try and do that same thing. I try and say, hey, I'm here to help and guide. You know, we're doing this together. It's not my story and they're just pawns, actors in this play, right? We're all equal peers building this together. And that that sounds kind of, Subtle, but it it, it really has been a, a major fundamental change to how I view leadership mm -hmm. and how I view, uh, you know, in my professional life and in my personal life. This is that that idea of kind of servant leader, right? M moving, uh, moving your team, or move, like helping your team or being the person that can help your team move along as opposed to, you know, guiding them like a, you know, a shepherd or something with a stick and moving them all in a certain direction. Yep. It really is. And the, the, the servant leader thing, that, that's one of, it's one of those buzzwords, I think, that is, does a disservice for itself, right? Mm -hmm. It's such a meaningful concept, right? And it's unfortunately taking on this buzzwordy uh, type of thing, right? And everyone says, oh, servant leadership, servant leadership. And I don't know how many times in my technology career where I've seen people say they're servant leaders, but in real observation, you right. know, they're not. Yeah. Um, so it's like you got to have your, your whatever experience you need to have your own personal testimonial to, to make that personal to you. And the people that have had that experience are the ones that are great at it. It's kind of one of those things that it's hard to read about and just say, I'm a servant leader. You have to kind of go through those trials and tribulations to be really good at it, in my opinion. Yeah, I've upset a lot of people on my way to figuring out what the heck that means. It's such a delicate thing. That's something that Jeremy talked about earlier. We always talk about communication, relationships, how it all comes back to that. One of our one of our um, episodes was about onboarding on a team, a very recent episode, and it was about starting with the people, starting with the people, and it was all about relationships. And it's like it's such a delicate thing when you start to start to try to control a situation, you know. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of what you what you talked about in in a Lately. more yeah. eloquent way than I, eloquent way so than maybe I Derek. What what people need to do when they start onboarding to a new team is uh, play around a, a D and D. 
Get your team together, D and D. That's that's the next level thing, man. Like have a have a campaign started when a team starts or when a team changes. You know, I've heard something interesting about like, um, and actually, I'm interested to ask you about this. So, I've heard in in kind of therapy sessions. So you go into a therapy session or a counselor, and you bring three people in, and they're talking, and then you bring in one other person, even an animal or something, and the whole dynamic changes. Do you find that's the case even in like a game setting? So you bring in one other person into the game and, and sort of things change drastically, or is it different than that? That's a, it's an interesting perspective. You know, I think I have two experiences. One would be, you know, personal and gaming and D and D. And then unfortunately the experience is probably a little different professionally. Um, And I would say the difference. So in a D and D setting, I mean, that happens a lot. You know, that's one of the other things is it's, it's a dynamic, typically dynamic people welcome new team members Uh, Sometimes people move. And so there's like this constant uh, variability to your adventuring party or or the people around your table. Um, So it's very much an inclusive, welcoming, fun. It's like new energy. And people love to reteach, especially like newcomers. So this is Jeremy, if you want to ever get involved with this, this is one of those areas in life where there's, um, there's not uh, you know, people judging you for being a noob, right? It's very much a welcome with open arms and it's a to help teach you because that's one of the cool things is, you know, it's like a time-honored tradition of like oratory history of teaching people how to do things. So in D&D, it's, it's, uh, it's really cool and fun, but that's because there's this level of empathy and this wanting of those changes. Mm-hmm. Now, when I contrast that maybe to professional experiences, I wish it was more like that, right? In professional experiences, I've seen it go both ways. You know, I've been on teams. I've seen teams where there are people that are, um, you know, territorial or people that are not as welcoming or open to that change, or they don't want to take the time to teach this new person all this stuff, or they feel like it threatens their job security right. if they start to share and teach, right? So I wish it were more like the DND scenario, and I've seen it in cases. Maybe that's ideal scenario. Um, but unfortunately, in the professional world, I think job security, um, egos, uh, fear of change, some of those things, unfortunately, get in the way of that. Now, D&D, it's, it's collaborative, right? You're not like competing against the other people sitting at the table. You're all working together towards some end mission or goal, right? Most of the time, typically. There are people that will play variants of the game where it's PvP, player versus player, oh, some of those things. Okay. But I would say 90% of them is it's a group collaborative team sport, um, right. which, is, which is fun and cool. Um, you know, everyone moving toward the same goal. Right. Now, so I guess what I'm getting at is like on, on teams, in, in, in theory at least, at work, um, everyone should be aligned to the same mission, really. I mean, we're all there to complete some thing together. You're not fighting against each other. Um, and I think too often, just like you said, at work, people get, you know, territorial and they try to protect with what they see as theirs. And at the end of the day, it's so ridiculous because we're all there to work together. You know, we're, it's not like I'm going to get a raise and Derek's not going to get one, or I'm going to get a bonus and nobody else is because I outperform them. I mean, if, if that's how you've incentivized your structure at, at work, then you, you probably incentivize the wrong things. But, you know, the way I see it, we should all be working together. And I think Derek and I have been on some really great teams in the past that had a really high performing team. And I think mostly because we saw ourselves as a team working together. Yeah. The hierarchy, bl- the hierarchy blurs. 
at some point on a great team, I found. And I don't know if you've seen that uh, yourself. Um, but that that's that happens naturally, I've found, um, you know, over time. So it's a nice thing when it happens, but, you know, it can... <laughs> you, you could wait a long time for that to happen on a team if you have a few uh, uh, feisty characters, you know. <laughs> I'm sure you've dealt with yeah, that. Yeah, and, and sometimes, you know, kind of to Jeremy's point, though, sometimes the way the organization is set up is it incentivizes and rewards the wrong behaviors, mm-hmm. right? And this is mm-hmm. where... You know, when if we're looking at agility and and agile as you know, uh, you know, uh, made tremendous progress in the last many years, and it's starting to uh, overtake you know the other methodologies. Um, but a lot of times, people look at that from the perspective of team agility, which is important. But you also have to look at you know what is the organizational construct around that team. So. If you're only given raises and bonuses to a couple of people on that team, if a pu- couple of people on that team only gets the spotlights, uh, if they have no say-so in the interviews or the hiring and the onboarding of people to that team, if they have no say-so when people are exiting, all of those things, um, you know, it negatively reinforces that culture of me, right? And, and oftentimes, instead of serving that higher purpose or that mission, uh, and I think a lot of times it's it's innocent and it's subconscious. I don't think people maliciously do this or intentionally do this, uh, but they're relegated to serving uh, their career themselves or you know their accolades. And you really got to look at that whole system uh, surrounding that uh, that team and, and look at how our pay decisions made, how our staffing decisions made, how are all those things made because it can really can really hamstring a team and unfortunately put them in an environment where they can fall on those those bad behaviors of motivation and versus you know being mission motivated or performance motivated. I read a book recently um, called Influencer. I've talked about it a little bit uh, on the show. Um, and it talks a lot about um, how to get people to do the things that you want them to do. And, you know, you're a leader on a team. How do you get them to change behavior from a negative, uh, you know, uh, type of thing to a more positive thing? And, and it does – the book, it's interesting because it, it talks quite a bit about how we think that these incentives are going to have some effect, some outcome that we want. And in reality, all we're doing is incentivizing the wrong thing. You know, I think we see that a lot in Agile where we – you know, start gauging people on um, the amount of story points that they they do each each sprint. And so what happens? People start pointing things higher. Um, I, I, I was listening to something recently. Where was I? Oh, we, we I did this thing at work where we had this uh, we joined some conference thing online, a, a digital conference and somebody part of Q&A. They talked about how they incentivized um, uh, budgets based on how much code was written, how many lines of code. So the more code you wrote, the more money you got. So what did you incentivize? You just incentivized the team to write more useless code, right? So um, that's the, the interesting thing, the, the way we, our teams, we, we incentivize our teams. Um, we don't always incentivize them in the ways that we think. Yep. That, I think that's a big part of it. But for me personally, and my, my experience and my personal journey, I've, I've, I've been at a lot of different places is for me, um, we had to be working on a product or a service that excites me, right? Yeah, it's sure. a little bit selfish, but I have to be that something about it has to be attractive to me, right? I've been at companies where we worked on products that, you know, great products, great companies, but frankly, it was a product line that was boring to me. You know, I could not really sink my teeth into it, uh, which is one of the reasons why I'm at the company I'm into. I'm at now is, you know, I believe in our purpose. I believe in our mission. You know, I'm excited. I'm a fan, right? I think it's really important to be a fan of your company and a fan of your product. And when you're not, sometimes it's hard to 
uh, artificially manufacture that sense of purpose and meaning. Sure, you can find it with other things, right? With your team members, there's other things. It's different for everyone, right? But for me, uh, you know, helping put out uh, software and architecture that um, helps people, um, you know, uh, build their grocery list is not as exciting to me as putting out software and technologies that help power two thirds of all commercial flights in the world. Right. It's just different for me, but it's different for everyone. But that's for me personally, I had to get at a company that intrinsically motivated and inspired me. And that way I don't have to burn all this other energy to manufacture that. It just innately happens for me. Yeah, Derek, you and I, we, we talked about this a couple episodes back, uh, but, you know, Simon Sinek and finding your why and how critical that yeah. is um, to do great work. I think, um, you know, if you're not motivated, you're what are you going to do? You're going to just like, you know, ho-hum, like uh, just kind of fumble along, get paid every two weeks and, you know, do the bare minimum and that's it. Yeah, we dove into that. It's, it's an interesting bit there. And I, I really, really like the way Kevin put it, that it, you know, how important it is to really care about the thing you do. Yeah, sure. So, Jeremy, you had a, a, a segment that we always love to do. It's my favorite segment of the whole show. Um, it's it. a little thing called this or that. I don't this? know, Jeremy, are you, are you ready to kick or it? Or that. I am ready. All, All right, right, Kevin. So, listen, this is how this works. I'm going to ask you a series of questions, and you were just going to eat like, don't even think. Just you go, this, I'm going to go this or that, and you go that. Or this or that, that, this, this, that. You don't don't think. I don't want, to, I don't want any, hmm, because if you do, you're going to regret it, especially in a few I don't years. have to okay. explain any of it, right? Uh, no. You, you don't, you awesome. don't have to explain it. There's, there's <laughs> no, there's no uh, explanations you're, you're needed to. here. <laughs> if, if it means a lot to you, like I had right. one, it meant a lot to me. You're welcome to explain it. All right. All right. So we're going to, I'm going to set a timer here for, uh, let's see, three minutes and we're just going to go, go to town. You ready? Yep. Ready. Let's dig in. Yeah, kid. All right. Dog or cat? Dog. All right. Netflix or YouTube? Netflix. Cardio or weights? Cardio right now. All right. Ice cream? Too, too many COVID pounds. Too many COVID. <laughs> right. I heard that. This was yeah. a good a question to follow up with that. Uh, ice cream, cone or a cup? Ah, cup. All right. Mm. Is cheesecake cake or a pie? Hmm. Pie. Pie. All right. Good <laughs> answer. Uh, swimming or sunbathing? Swimming. All right. Uh, Star Trek or Star Wars? A topic very dear to Derek and I. Uh, this is a whole episode, guys. <laughs> now, this is this is like picking your favorite child for me. I'm not an either or person. All right. Honestly, I'm right. up for another episode, Jeremy. If we want, if we want to table <laughs> so, this, NA. we'll do right. another episode. Of Star Trek. Uh, just Star this Wars. is. Uh, I'll, I'll stop the timer. Um, Derek and I asked somebody this once, not on the not on the podcast, but uh, they answered Stargate, and I said, "Marry me." <laughs> nice i didn't actually do that would have been no, no, my wife i can, I can go on and on and on uh quick sidebar jeremy since we're kind of paused here is i actually uh went to used to go to an annual sci-fi convention in atlanta uh-huh. dragon con it's like comic con yeah, yeah. went there 15 years straight was canceled last year for covid but i dressed up in a trek costume with my buddies and it's oh, really yeah? dope i'll have to show you guys pictures Hot damn when but i was I uh, love star wars this was, I guess, God, I was probably 13, 12 or 13. I dressed up as Commander Riker for Halloween, nice. and um, I drew a beard on me, and everything it was great. Um, we had a colleague, Derek and I had a colleague who uh, went to Dragon Con every year, and she would she um, was all into oh, uh, costumes, and I don't know. There's a word for that. What do you call it? Cosplay. Shout out Rachel, dude. She Cosplay. listens to the yeah. show, man. Oh, yeah, Rachel. Oh, yeah, she bought the stickers. She was our first sticker purchase. <laughs> um, anyway, yeah, so Rachel, shout out. Uh, 
Rachel probably knows all about this. She's probably like, yes, Dungeons and Dragons. I've been saying this for years. That's what Dar- That's what uh, Rachel said. <laughs> all right. Um, here we go. You ready? Uh, pen or pencil? Uh, pen. All right. Work hard or play hard? Mm. Oh, gosh. Work hard. All right. Love or money? Love. Love. All right. No, don't wanna, you don't want to be like, like Derek and, and uh, hesitate. <laughs> um, ninjas or pirates? Ninjas. All right. There we go. All right. Uh, a couple of more. Uh, blinds or curtains? Mm. Blinds. All right. Toilet paper over or under? I put a blog post out on this now. It's it's <laughs> oh, over. Did? Over. Yeah. Who does under? Correct. Correct answer. Uh, monsters. Only <laughs> monsters do uh, do under. Only all right. Um, all right. <laughs> Super sandwich. Uh, sandwich. That's so all right. easy. All right. Uh, beer or wine? Beer. All right. Uh, beer, hoppy or weedy? Hoppy for sure. All right. Um, let's see. Cardigan or a hoodie? Hoodie. All right. And uh, paper book or ebook? Paper book. All right, I like it. I'm I'm with you on that one. All right, last one, um, amusement park or day at the beach? Day at the beach, amusement the beach. park. Hey, the roller coasters scare me a little bit. I'm not going to lie. Hey man, you know what? You're for right. me, it doesn't. It doesn't get any better than just day on the beach. Mm-hmm. I'm too old for amusement parks, man. Especially now with kids, it's just like, oh, this is miserable for me. Yeah. Uh, so day at the beach. Day at the beach. I can watch my kids play in the sand all day. As long as they don't drown in the water, I'm good. Naturally, that's that's success for me. Kids stayed alive. I can go home. Well, that's it. I'm done. That's all the uh, questions I had. I think that was two nice. minutes, five minutes, four minutes, Fantastic. whatever I said it was. Anyway, Kevin, thank you so much, man. It's yeah. been awesome. Um, it was fun talking to you about this stuff. Yes, yeah, great. Uh, Thanks for, for your time. And uh, Derek, real quick before we get out of here, uh, I've got a PSA, public service announcement update. If you are outside of the United States, you can now order stickers online at retrotimepodcast.com. It's uh, unfortunately a little bit more expensive. It's $1.50 for shipping but the stickers are a buck order a bunch and and uh the more you order the cheaper the sticking kids love the shipping per item will be Mm -hmm. and uh derek has said you can put them on your kid's forehead and it doesn't hurt so buy two i did say that well thanks guys you guys take it easy all right that's it i'm done derek all right Thank you guys. Hey, big big fan of the podcast. So thanks for having me on. I enjoyed it. And maybe it maybe we'll come back for a uh, a part two and we'll go a little deeper on Star Wars or Star Trek or D and D. Oh man, I would love to have you on again. I have a question. I don't know how I've never put this together, but I imagine the people who signed the Agile Manifesto were probably a lot of like Dungeons and Dragons players. Did Scrum Master come from? Dungeon Master? <laughs>